Episode 81 of the Golf Rules Questions podcast has a lot of clubland stories, including a player that has no idea about known or virtual certainty from a penalty area, neither do they understand the wrong ball or ball and play situation. We have a ball stuck in a flagstick and what you do there, and we start off our section of myths that we'll follow up in episode 82 where a player had already started play of one hole, found their ball from a previous hole that they had lost, and continued play of that hole, which is a clear breach of the rules. So listen in to your favourite rules of golf podcast, the Golf Rules Questions podcast now. Golf is a test of character before it is a test of skill, and playing by the rules of golf will definitely test your character. Hey everyone. Bringing you the GRQ podcast. I am Blakey. This is episode 81. Welcome, my co host, Stuart. How are you? I'm well, David. How are you? Uh, good, good. Uh, just trying to find uh, time to do stuff. Um, don't have specific things to do at the moment, but always seem to be busy, which is a bit of a strange one. Uh, but we'll get cracking into episode 81. The GRQ OTW from 80, if you will, Stuart, please. Yeah, so this is Big P and Andy, the average golfer, playing a match. Andy, the average golfer, as he tends to do, pushes his tee shot well right. And thinking it may be lost, he plays a provisional ball, which uh, lands on the fairway, of course. When they arrive at where Andy's ball is expected to be, a group on another tee who saw Andy's ball, confirms that his ball entered and came to rest in a very large area of ground under repair. Andy considers his options for taking free relief from the GUR and decides that his next shot over the GUR will be incredibly difficult, so he walks back to the fairway and continues play of the hole with his provisional ball. Big P is not happy. Big P claims the hole immediately, as Andy, the average golfer, has played a wrong ball, you are called in as the referee. What is your ruling? Uh, well, this is an interesting one, Stuart. And I was laughing last week because we did talk about it. And I actually couldn't believe the answer uh, when I looked it up. And when you, well, you tell, told me and then I looked it up. Um, so obviously the player, Andy, knows that the ball is in GUR. Uh, that's the facts of the case given to him by a group on another tee. So they're saying uh, it's definitely in the GUR. Okay, so we know facts, definitely in. So Andy could take a free drop if he can't find the ball. So it's a ball not found. Uh, could take a free drop from the estimated point where it went into the GUR. From that point, then you work out your nearest point of complete relief, and then you've got a club length from that nearest point of complete relief. Uh, he could drop it for free there. Or uh, because he's played a provisional ball, and I know this is really strange, but because he's played a provisional ball, he can continue with the provisional ball. And that's going to be three off the tee. 
And now you're thinking, why would he want to do that? I don't know either. I really don't know why you do that. But as the question states, uh, Andy thinks that the next shot over the GUR will be incredibly difficult. So he opts not to uh, take the free relief and be playing a second. And he likes the provisional ball and plays that. Uh, what's that under, Stuart? Uh, it's the exception to 18.3C2, the exception to that. So 18.3C2 is when the provisional ball becomes the ball in play and there's an exception listed. Uh, it's on the bottom of page, what's that, 251. If the provisional ball has not become the ball in play and the ball is found... Oh, sorry. No, that's a C. Now, this is 18.3 C2 exception. Player may substitute another ball under other rule when there's no one or virtually certain what happened to the ball. So they know or virtually certain yeah. the ball's gone into the GUR. Um, when one of these applies, the player may either substitute another ball as allowed under that rule, uh, which would be fine. That'd be under 16.1. Or treat the provisional ball as the ball in play and the penalty is stroke and distance. That's blown, it's blown me away. It really I, has. I said this to you at the time. I, I sort of don't agree with that rule. I don't agree with the idea of it. I think we know where his original ball is. We haven't cited it, but we know exactly where it is. Sorry, exactly is a poor choice of words. We know where it is. It's in a condition which you're entitled to free relief. Why you are given the option of playing the provisional, I don't understand. Um, we know roughly where it is, and we know, as I said, what condition it's in. But anyway, that's the exception to that rule. And uh, a big P in this particular case was not correct, and uh, Andy hadn't hit a wrong ball. He'd actually just taken, adopted that option where he could actually continue play with his provisional ball and plays four stroke from the fairway. I would love to know how many referees would get that one right. I mean, common sense, you're looking at it going, no. Uh, you know, common sense, you look at it and go, no, you can't go and play the provisional if you know, if it's known or virtually certain. What's it's happening? You are, but that's, yeah. in, that's incorrect. You are yeah. allowed to mm. uh, proceed with the provisional ball, which, you know, which is, uh, if they can do it for that one, for 18.3C2, uh, why can't they allow it when as an option so that you can actually physically uh, verbally declare your ball lost or declare your ball unplayable let's let's forget about that let's you can declare your ball unplayable and take the provisional ball exactly very very similar yeah so your provisional sitting in the middle of the fairway you go left find your original go i'm gonna have to take an unplayable why can't I just go and play the provisional and assume that I've actually taken that unplayable and proceeded under stroke and distance back to the previous place played and I've already done it. Save so, us Stuart, all time. so Stuart finds his ball on the left-hand side in GUR. Uh, sorry, it has to be known or virtually certain. Right. That we know what's happened to the ball when their ball has not been found. It doesn't say the player has an extra option. It doesn't say an extra option when the ball's lost. It says an extra option when their ball has not been found and it is known or virtually certain that the ball was stolen. Yep. Uh, 
come to rest in an abnormal course condition and removable obstruction, or was deliberately deflected or stopped by uh, any person. So even that's so, an odd one, that last one. Yeah. Just because it's been deliberately deflected, which if it was another player, they'd get the penalty for doing that. But we know the relief procedure, how to put that ball back into play. But again, why are you given the option of, um, we sort of roughly know where, where the person deliberately deflected. We can estimate where it would have gone had it not been deflected and dropped accordingly. But they're saying, no, no, don't worry. You can play the provisional if you want. Anyway. So Stuart's ball has come to rest in a abnormal course condition on the left-hand side of the fairway. We know it's in there, not at least 95%, but we can't find it. Right. Uh, and David's ball is on the right-hand side right behind a tree. They've both played provisional balls. They're right beside each other in the fairway. You can opt to take yours, but I can't opt to take mine. <laughs> just because, yeah. just because yours is known to be lost or known to be not found. In the GUR. In the GUR or known to be in the GUR, but not found. And that's why I put in the question, the fact that another group on another tee actually saw it go in and could Verify that to Andy, the average golfer, that no, no, your ball is definitely in there. We saw it fly through the air. We saw it land in there. Um, we didn't go and search for it, but we know it's there for sure. We saw it. Yeah. So it's known and virtually said. Right, yeah, we've got a big, that's, that's a tricky one. Okay, so we've got a big uh, episode full of Clubland stories that have been rolling in uh, fantastically well. So thank you, everyone. Uh, for contributing and we just want to see more and more. Uh, we are going to have, you know, uh, duos, cover-ups, no, um, multiple of the same situation, but there always might be a slight difference. You know, if uh, in this situation where there's a ball not found in that uh, GRQ OTW for 80, uh, it might be a case of Andy thinks that Big P is right and Andy goes and um, plays a ball from the GUR when he didn't want to. And so he's done the, the, the right thing, one of his options, but he ends up having a 10, whereas if he'd taken the provisional, he might have had a nine or an eight. Remember, he is average. average. So, <laughs> you know, so there's going to be little things that uh, in different clubs are going to have, uh, are going to have slightly different procedures for how they, you know, they are clubland stories. They're not how to play by the rules, rules of golf perfectly um, stories. So, yeah, we've got heaps rolling in. Uh, we've had a couple of requests to for people to remain anonymous. Totally fine. Absolutely totally fine. We're, we're not here to embarrass anyone unless you want your brother or your mother or your dad to be embarrassed. Um, but, you know, we are here to share the situations, examples from out there in Codland, and uh, we can all learn from them. From that, it all really happened. They're all true stories. That's that's the right, the main thing. Now I've got one here, so I'm going to start off. Player hits her tee shot on a par three. The ball gets caught in a plastic sleeve attached to the flag stick for recording the nearest the pin. What is the ruling? Stuart, what do you reckon? You know, I'm just trying to picture, um, just trying to picture it. So it's, 
the flag stick going up from the hole, it's something yeah. on that flag stick, not yes. the flag, but the stick itself. Yeah. Um, well, I would think that certainly not hold, but the ball is sitting on a movable obstruction. The flag stick is a movable obstruction. And because it's sitting on top, um, you'd be taking relief from that. I mean, you can play it as it lies if you want, but you could take relief from your ball being on a movable obstruction on the putting green. That would be my early offer, my initial where, offer. Where would you drop, place, throw your ball over your back of your head? I wouldn't do the over the back of your head. Well, because directly below is, I mean, the reference point is effectively going to be the hole, isn't it? So are you placing it in the hole? No, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to get it in the hole. No, it's not definitely not hold. Um, now you got me. I just need to check. I'm well, I would say that you would, I'd say you'd be pretty close. I'd say that uh, you place the ball on the nearest point, which in this case is going to be the lip of the hole. Yeah, okay. So it's stuck in a movable obstruction. The movable obstruction is on the green. You'd place the ball on the green at the nearest point, which in this case uh, is most likely going to be on the lip. It can't be in the hole. There's no way it's going to be hold. No, no, it's not considered hold under the definition of hold. So it, it, uh, you're not placing it in the hole. So uh, it's an interesting one. The also to that is uh, brings into question the equipment rules and whether that flag stick is actually uh, conforming, um, having that attachment there. Now the definitions state that uh, the flag stick includes the flag and any other material objects attached to the pole. Um, you know, those little balls you see or a flag, you, a small mini flag you see indicating whereabouts on the green uh, the, the hole is. If it's down the bottom, it's at the front. If it's up the back, it's right, uh, if it's up the top, it's right at the back. Um, they can be uh, conforming, but obviously there are some uh, standards about how a flag is um, needs to be uh, or needs to look and you can find that in the equipment uh, standards uh, on the RNA website. Uh, I would say this was okay but you'd ha I'd have to see it to really you know uh, unfortunately who knows what actually would have happened would the ball have gone the hole probably not but we don't know we have to see it. I had it missed that it could have been 10, 10 meters past eh? Exactly. So had it not stayed in there, it could have bounced off, gone into a penalty area. <laughs> right, yeah, you got one, Stuart? Uh, yeah, um, we're playing tennis, are we? Back to me. Yep. Um, this happened. This happened in my group last Wednesday, so I was invited back. This is a story we've spoken about before. This situation, I was invited back to my old club uh, for a guest day last Wednesday. We're on the seventh hole of par three. Um, I'd put my pitching wedge onto the green and two other guys in my group were right next to each other in the green side bunker, just short of the green. As soon as I saw their balls right next to each other, almost touching, you knew there was going to be some interference and lifting a ball for interference. So I just stood there because I wasn't far away from my ball and I just watched this unfold. The player who was to hit first said, your ball's in my way. Do you mind if I move it out of the way? Other guy goes, no problem, go for it. And, of course, it was just the procedure that he used to lift that ball for interference. And what he did with his tee, 
is from where the ball, the interfering ball, was at rest, he's grabbed a tee and drawn a line in the sand, maybe 40 to 50 centimetres long. Wasn't, wasn't perfectly straight, a bit of a wobble in it. And then once he's finished drawing that line of about 40 to 50 centimetres, he's picked up the interfering ball and placed it at the other end of that line and goes, we're done. And he, of course, this guy knows, I know a little bit about the rules and he looked at me. Now, if I wasn't there, he wouldn't have said anything to anybody. He would have just played on. But uh, he looked at me and goes, that's okay. I said, um, well, not really, because you're lifting a ball for interference and whenever you lift a ball, you need to mark its spot and you need to mark its spot with an artificial object. You need to mark it with something. Yeah, I mean, I... So just draw, I don't think... No, it doesn't meet that criterion. So I don't disagree with you here because it, you know, if you read the rules, um, that is how it all plays out. Uh, it's just funny to me because it's one of those. Oh, that's what we were going to talk about. We we're going to talk about myths, weren't we? Uh, yeah, I was going to bring up myths. Yeah, after next. Uh, so, like it, it, you know, it has to be a marker. Has to be you know, a ball marker is something artificial. Uh, we've talked about you can use your glove but not a hand. Use your uh, shoe. You can use your shoe but not the foot <laughs> if it doesn't have a sock. You could use a sock. You know your, your your foot's wearing a sock because it's artificial, which just blows my mind. Uh, but um, the whole drawing the mark in the ground—that's something that someone's told me, you know, is something that you can do over the period and whether it has been cleaned up in 2019, uh, possibly, or whether it was one of those myths that you were never allowed to do it. You know, I was, someone taught, was giving a, um, a session on this and actually put their foot right beside the ball to use the footprint as a mark. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, yeah, I like it. I thought it was a good idea. Um, I can't remember. I'm trying to save myself here. I can't remember ever teaching it, uh, but it's definitely been taught to me. And uh, I, if it's not allowed to do uh, to be done, I'd be happy for that. That'd be fine. I mean, it's so easy to you know just put a T in the ground. I mean, fourteen point one is pretty clear though. If you yeah, I know. The ball, where, right. where the ball must be replaced, you've got to use something. That's right. You've got to use um, an artificial and just, ball And just to talk about myths and talk about how long this has been going on for, this guy's been playing golf longer than I've been alive. And, of course, he very aggressively said to me, well, I've done that my entire life. Uh, doesn't doesn't yeah. mean it's right. No, that's right. doesn't mean it's right today in 2023. See how it says hold a club on the ground right behind or right next to the ball. And and it's obviously that's typically used on the putting green where you only want to lift it for a second, rotate it, give it a scrub, rotate it, and put it back down again. You'll see that on the putting green a lot. It, it says hold, so it, it doesn't say um, let go, but I'm assuming, can I assume that the club could be used as, an, as a ball marker, an artificial object when used to mark yeah. the spot of a ball to be lifted, such as a tee, coin, an object made to be a ball marker or another small piece of equipment. Is a, is a nine iron a small piece of a equipment? A small piece of equipment, maybe not. I mean, if they, if they think that a, 
a size 12 shoe is a small piece of equipment. Um, then where does, where does small really? Yeah, where's the line, of course. Yeah. Um, where's the line drawn? Pardon the pun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'd happy to promote that, that don't do that. You know, don't mm. mark a line, don't do a footprint, just do the T. Now, if we were to take this a bit further, failure to do that incurs a one-stroke penalty. But it would be a one-stroke penalty for the person whose ball is being lifted, even though he didn't do lifting, because the other player was acting with that person's authority. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that'd be right. Unfortunate, uh, but... Yeah. All right. Uh, you got you want to start myths, or you uh, want me to carry on with? Uh, I've got a couple more clubland stories here. No, I've certainly got some clubland. I think myths could uh, take its own podcast. Yeah, and so then hopefully you... that would generate people coming in and hey, hey, you forgot this one, and you forgot this one. How about this myth? Hopefully there'll this... be a few more out there. This is a good one. Uh, here we go, Sandy. Uh... What she says, this is more of a clarification than an actual situation. We have three protective fences in the general area on three different tees, all of which can come into play and have been identified as abnormal course conditions, being immovable obstructions in the local rules. All good so far. I was asked if a player's ball was up against one of the fences, does, it, does the player get full relief being stance and intended swing as well as line of sight next to the green? or line of sight to the next green. We have referred to rule 16, as far as I can determine, the player can only receive free relief at the nearest point for their stance and intended swing and not line of sight. When finding the reference point, nearest point of relief, they have one club length from the reference point to drop their ball. Uh, all very good, Sandy. Uh, you're spot on under rule 16. Uh, protective fences. You got any protective fences at Gardens Run, Stuart? No. Not that I know of. No, no you know, you, you would have hit one by now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, so, protective fences. Uh, yeah, there's no line of sight. However, have you heard of this one? No. E6. Never oh, heard of is it the near the putting green one? No, that's E5. Sorry. E6. Ever heard of E6? No. Line of play relief. Or protective fence. Huh. So Sandy, listen to this one. Go and have a check out the local rules, the model local rules. And if you think or if the committee think it's warranted, I mean, I, to be honest, I wouldn't think it was warranted if it was way off course. If it was, you know, a green's here and you've hit it. Uh, actually, there's one at my mum and dad's course in Geraldine. Um, the par three sixth hole. Uh, there's a on the tee on the seventh. There's a, a fence, protective fence. Does that? But that's actually a protective fence from the men's tee to the ladies' tee, or sorry, the white tee to the yellow tee. And uh, I I doubt we, they would ever have a local rule giving you free relief for line of sight. But if you do wish to have line of sight. Uh, for a protective fence. Um, it's got a purpose statement there. And then model local rule E6, during play of the specified hole number, 
If the protective fence on the other hole number is on the player's line of play, the player may take free relief by dropping a ball in and playing it from the dropping zone. Um, so have a created dropping zone for the players. But this relief is only allowed if the player is in play, uh, if the ball is in play nearer the hole than where the dropping zone is located. Interesting. Um, you don't necessarily have to adopt that last one, but uh, um, or adopt it and just make sure the dropping zone is further behind um, so the player's not dropping closer to the hole. And make it an optional dropping zone. Uh, yeah, they can always play it if they... Obviously, the drop zone is the only option for free relief, the, the other option being you just play it as it lies. It there wouldn't be a case of, you know, you turn it into a TIO or anything mm. like that. Just create a drop zone. The drop zone might just be, um, you know, a tree, you know, drop within three club lengths of a tree or something like that, or the nearest tree, whatever it is. Uh, good one, Sandy. Thank you very much. Uh, what have we got next? Oh, I had another one from a certain message. I've got a quick one for you. Go for it. Most, most commonly broken rule, what do we think it is? What's the uh, one that's often thrown out there? The most commonly broken rule for me is advice. Yeah, this is it, advice. So I met this guest day last Wednesday. Now, I've obviously been a former member and uh, held a position at this club. I've played the club and this particular course a lot, but the other two in our four ball was a member and his guest and his guest hadn't played a lot. So, and we're all in an individual uh, competition, stroke play competition. What did the other member talk to his guest about all day? <laughs> all day, almost every hole, do you think? How to play the hole? Absolutely, absolutely. And not there's a bunker there, just a little bit more specific than that. And I couldn't now off the top of my head give you any specific example word for word, but you could understand the, the general nature of those conversations about where to hit, where to play. If you hit it in there, that's where the blah, blah, blah. Just all day because he had a guest there, but ruling a stroke play comp uh, competition. And I reckon the third or fourth time they said it, I just said, so is that advice? And they're sort of laughing and, and I think they understood that they probably, they probably were doing it and continue to do it all day, as is the nature of a guest day where you have people who may not have played the course before and want them to enjoy it as much as they can. I, uh, a quick clubland story for you. Well, this is an interesting one because uh, it was the first week of Pennant, Vic Pennant last week. Uh, you don't have any stories from Vic Pennant, do you? I have one, yes, from Sunday. Uh, well, I'll just quickly say that uh, I know of a team... This came up when I was sort of working at Golf Australia. Now, I know of a team that actually, uh, in a messenger group, um, sort of kind of gave advice. And, uh, if it was the team captain, it's okay, but it didn't come from the team captain, it came from someone else. And I just, I, I told the, the person who told me, I told them, well, that's not, you know, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to pass on advice 
especially not, uh, you know, even if it is a medium such as a WhatsApp group, you can't, you can say, oh, the pin on the third hole, um, it's on 15 foot on the right edge, but you can't say it's on 15 foot on the right edge, don't go right as the falls away or it's a bouncy green, so make sure you come up short. You can't say stuff like that. Um, so they've just got to be careful with that kind of thing. Uh, is your story shareable? Yeah, very much. Look, it's just a very quick, just an interesting scenario that never happened to me. I, at the back of a par three, guys gone well left, hit a car path bounce in the air and disappeared in a very thick scrub. I started timing as soon as I got to the area. Didn't see the tee shots, but I just saw them going over and searching. Two minutes came up and I was about to get out of my cart, walk over and guys, that's 30 seconds left or 40 seconds, which I like to do. But I didn't get to that point because I found it. But then I was called over. So I go over and he's really, really thick scrub, but he's going to be standing on the car. Make his next stroke, clear case of uh, entitled to free relief from an abnormal course condition. The interesting thing was, so the guy called me over and he um, I said, what do I do? Blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, well, we just need you to, and we're having this conversation for about a minute. And he says, I said, well, if you want, we'll just consider your option. What I'll get you to do is just take a stance off the path We'll identify your nearest point of complete relief. We'll then get a club length and et cetera, et cetera. So can you just do that for me and we'll work our way through that? All of a sudden, the guy I've been talking to for the last 60 seconds says, it's not my ball, it's my opponent's ball, who was standing there the entire time, <laughs> not saying a word. All This whole conversation, which easily was 30 seconds a minute, was with the opponent asking me all these questions and the ah. player didn't say a word. So this is really, it struck me just for a second. That threw me. So when I've gone, okay, just stand over here and we'll get a, we'll identify. Oh, not my ball. It's his. But oh, okay. Um, you happy with all that? Do you want to take, yep. Yeah, okay. Well, you need to, st you need to stand off the path and we'll identify your nearest point of complete relief. I thought it was a bit odd that so, it was the opponent doing all the talking. So what do you learn from that as a referee? Um, probably, I, I just immediately assumed it was his ball. I knew he was one of the players. Ask, no, no, ask but I, I, well, from that, I think that's what I'm getting to is, you know, the, the teams are obvious because they're all wearing team shirts. I could tell who the two players were. Um, and I he's the one that called me over for starters. So I've immediately gone up and started the conversation with him. He continues the conversation. And we're going back and forth. And, of course, I've immediately assumed, incorrectly so, that it was his ball. Is was the was the opponent was the opponent uh, sorry the players so it wasn't the player it wasn't the opponent's ball it was the player's ball right so you were talking to the opponent correct who was asking the, me questions who was asking you questions was the opponent uh, the older of the two was the player a young person I reckon the person who was about to get in relief was maybe a tad older, wasn't older than me. I wouldn't have said he was that old, but maybe, a few, yeah, a little bit older. But he was actually standing closer to me than the opponent was. But I wasn't even facing him. I was facing the opponent who was engaging me in this conversation, asking me all these questions. Uh, even We even talked about trampled grass. I mean, it was really thick bushes and there was a lot of trampling down, which I believe was as a result of a fair search. Um but uh, anyway, just an interest, a new one for me that <laughs> I didn't realise. No, it's not my ball. It's a similar uh, 
yeah, it's a similar thing. You know, when you're on tour, you get to know the players, right? But if your first tournament or, you know, you a lot of amateur tournaments where there's players you don't know, one of the first questions if they ask you for relief is you either look at their clubs or you say, are you right-handed or left-handed? And then, yeah. you know, yeah. another, or before, but before that, the very first question you should ask before that is whose ball is this? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's a yep. that's a fun one. <laughs> and I think I'll do that just based on that experience. And all this is experience. And I think I'll do that as obvious as I thought it was. Yeah, I, it's not. I would have put money on whose ball it was, uh, but it wasn't his ball. Oh, thank, thankfully, I can hopefully learn through through you. I don't think that's happened to me yet. Uh, I think I've had the left hand right one, but uh, right hand one. But I don't think I've had the. Uh, oh, that's not my ball. Uh, Right, I have another one here from Statler. He wants uh, he wants some help with the ruling. Our club currently has a preferred lie temporary local rule to due to extremely dry conditions. Yeah, there's a few clubs like that. The rule applies to general area cut to fairway height or less. General area cut to fairway height or less. So basically, the fairway. On some holes, it is difficult to decipher between fairway or first cut of rough. But if you look closely, you can tell. I don't know if I should be saying this. Club legend Waldorf had a ball come to hang, rest. Hang just... on a second, Blakey. At the end of this one, does it say, oh, by the way, don't don't mention any names? No, it didn't. It didn't. Okay. Uh, right, club legend, what's he been that's, up to? That's the next one. Uh, the club legend Waldorf had a ball come to rest just in the first cut, but believing he was on the fairway, took preferred, uh, preferred relief. When it was brought to his attention, he agreed and replaced his replaced his ball on its original spot. He was not happy when it was deemed that he had incurred a one-stroke penalty under the ball at rest move rule. His argument was that it was an honest mistake and it was hard to tell between fairway and rough. They applied the one-stroke penalty and they just want to know if that's fair. I'm impressed they knew to apply the one-stroke penalty. Oh, this is brilliant. 9.4B or whatever it is. So uh, Statler's, uh, he's got this right on the money here. Great work. Uh, yep, one stroke penalty, 9.4. Yeah, causes ball to move. But what do you do in this situation? What, Stuart, how would you do this? Because you play and a I was lot more say, club golf there than are, me. There are several exceptions to 9.4. I think there's about four or five exceptions, like applying a rule and a few others, or seeing if you have interference from an abnormal course condition, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't like honest mistakes. Um, you know, I'm very black and white, and I think he has clearly lifted his ball when he, when he wasn't allowed to. And this happened to uh, a good friend of mine who you know as well as I do, who he he was, we preferred lies in the general area. He was in the penalty area, but it was just off the edge of the fairway. And so he's gone, and we've been so used to marking, lifting, cleaning, putting it back. And it just so happened he was in the penalty area. Um, and he goes, oh, hang on a second. I don't think I should have lifted that. And, of course, he gave himself a one-stroke penalty. Honest mistake. He just didn't even think about the fact that he was behind red stakes. Um, honest mistake, but it's a one-stroke penalty. You've lifted your ball in play. Did you do it to apply a rule? Well, I could go into the specific wording. Yes, but you shouldn't have been applying that rule. Yeah, so, you know, the, the guy that just won on the European Tour, uh, Marcel Singh. He did this. Um, 
let's say four years ago. I reckon I was even refereeing the tournament. They had preferred lies on one day or maybe the week before. And then he started out on the Thursday morning, preferred his lie for the first seven holes, called us in and, uh, and we said, well, every time you've moved your ball and played from a, played from a wrong place, that's two shots. Wow. So I think he, 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 it was either four holes or seven holes in. So he's either had an eight, he's added eight shots to his front nine or 14 shots, something like that. Didn't make the cut as you can imagine. Imagine. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, I see what you're saying. Honest mistake. It's still a mistake. So you have to pay the price. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's honest or not. Um, one shot penalty is it's fair. It's definitely fair. What he should have done was said to his marker. Exactly. That's what I was about to add. Ask the question, hey, do you think that this is the fairway? Yeah. Hey, guys, what do you reckon? And if they all get it wrong, then that's an honest mistake. And you're most likely going to get away with that unless some hawk is seeing you from the clubhouse and... Uh, manages to catch a group before you hand in the scorecard. Um, but you just ask. I mean, it's the same with the edge of the green. You know, is, is my ball on the green? Is it not on the green? Just ask. And, you know, basically club land, you're the only three or four or two around and you're all, most of your decisions are going to be right if it's a judgment call. So the five, five exceptions to 9.4 is when the player is allowed to lift or move the ball. Two is accidental movement in trying to find or identify a ball. Accidental movement on the putting green. Number four is accidental movement anywhere except on the putting green while applying a rule. And number five is the ball moves after coming to rest against player or equipment. So maybe the number four is accidental when applying a rule. But again, I don't think that person was entitled to apply any rule because they weren't on the closely mown. Well, he, he was entitled to apply 16.4 to see yeah. where his ball was in the fairway. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, they once established whether it was or wasn't, then you can proceed under preferred lie or you aren't allowed to proceed under fair lie. So preferred lie. So uh, good one. Thank you very much for sending that in, Statler. And, uh, yeah, one-shot penalty definitely, definitely. Yeah, uh, have you got another one? I've got one more. No, all yours. Oh, we've got a couple here. Now, this is the person that doesn't want to be identified. Totally fine. Uh, we'll just call him X. Clubland stories. We've got first story. Stroke round. Player one, not having a good hole, has a downhill putt for his sixth hole. Sorry, downhill putt for his sixth stroke. Player one, not having a good hole, has a downhill putt for a sixth. The ball rolls past the hole, thinking it was a Stalford round. He walks, no way this is going. He no, walks towards his ball, taps his ball away, having run out of shots. As he did this, his playing partners called out saying it was a stroke round. He hit it again in disgust. The ball was now about 10 metres from the hole. How should he proceed? Nice one. 
well, so he's playing his sixth. He's missed the hole with his sixth. He's then... I would uh, question whether he was whether he's actually made a stroke because I don't think he's made a stroke. I don't think he's made a stroke for the first one. As he did this, his playing partner's called out saying it was a stroke round. He hit it again in disgust. Yeah, again, that's not making a stroke. Okay. So I think what he's done is uh, we're going to go to 11 and he's deliberately deflected his ball. Well, I was just about to ask because he says the ball rolls past the hole. Thinking it was a Stalford round, he won around he walks towards his ball and taps his ball away having run out of shots i don't i can't oh, quite work out has it come to rest or not whether it's come to rest if it has okay. come to rest he just needs to replace it on that spot yeah. and take a one shot penalty and what he did afterwards doesn't count because uh, he hit it again remember the, the, the non-strokes yeah, non don't count uh yeah. if it is in if it is uh, moving ball in motion, then eleven point one on the putting green. Eleven point two, deliberately. Ah, uh, sorry, eleven point two on the putting green. Uh, the player must. Re, yep. replay the stroke by playing his original ball, but he gets that general penalty. So he's made a putt. You cancel the stroke. That's what replay the stroke means, right? Yeah, yeah. That stroke and any others don't count. Uh, replay the stroke by playing the original ball or another ball from the spot, but he gets a two shot. So it was it was there for five, playing a sixth. Now replaces the ball. Yep, six has been cancelled. Six hasn't happened yet. Above the hole, playing his eighth shot. So he's lying five, six, seven. He'll be playing his eighth shot. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, the the actions that the club took. The player one replaces ball above the hole and two putted, reporting a nine for that hole. Yep. So it must have been still in motion. Sounds pretty good to me. Thank you, uh, X. Now, X has also given me another one. Stableford round this time. Player two plays their tee shot on the 15th, um, which I'm, I'm not going to say the par, uh, it, but it's more than a par three. Slight dog leg right. <laughs> there is a large red penalty area along the right-hand side of the fairway. Tall trees and thick roughs around the penalty area. Ooh. Don't like the sound of this. Being a big hitter, the player tries to take a direct line over the penalty area. The ball, do, uh, the ball goes along the right side, but no one is sure where it finished. Player do, two does not play a provisional ball. He cannot find his ball and decides to drop a ball adjacent to the penalty area. This ball goes just off the back of the green. He walks on and then finds his original ball past the penalty area. He is not sure what to do, so plays this ball. Oh, no. The ball finishes about three metres from the hole. He picks up the ball played from the penalty drop and finishes the hole with the original ball and reports a four in that hole. Oh. Oh. How should he have oh. proceeded? Where? And what is his score? He's done well. Player two reported a four for that hole, to my knowledge. They did not follow up the committee for confirmation. Oh, this is horrible. 
Okay, so they didn't have known or virtual certainty mm. that their ball was in the penalty area. Um, as far as we know from the facts given in the in the story, they didn't have. Uh, but then they've gone and dropped a ball and played it. So I can understand the dropping the ball and then uh, you can fix that if you don't have that known or virtual certainty for penalty area relief. Uh, but he didn't. He played it. So then he's played under stroke and distance from a wrong place. And it's a serious breach. Are you happy with that? Yeah, well, I'm surprised that at club level that I would think a lot of golfers would know that as soon as you put another ball into play, which this player did adjacent to the penalty area, believing it may have been in, in the penalty area, they put a ball in play that's enough, but then they've actually then played that ball um, to then find your original ball and go, oh, forget about all that. Don't worry about, don't worry about all that. Um, here it is here. Um, you would think there's probably a chance, even if that was all okay, that it's probably beyond three minutes anyway. Um, they were clearly, yeah. the, clearly the search time would have started because they've probably gone down and have a bit of a look about, hey, is it anywhere obvious within the penalty area? Is it just beyond... I think the search time is pretty sure would have started. And of course that search time doesn't end when you put a ball into play and keep going, that search time keeps going. So you'd think the three minutes is probably up anyway. When they found the original ball, um, I can't believe someone would have gone, well, that's a bonus, isn't it? Here's my original ball here. Forget about everything that just happened. What do you reckon guys? And everyone's gone, yeah, no, good, good luck. Well done. I'm surprised that no one said, haven't you already put another ball into play? I mean, this is as blatant of cheating or stupidity, I don't know, as I can... You just can't do any of what he's done. Going off the facts that we've been given, you can't do anything of what this player's done. They've, they've played a wrong place, then they've given that one up and played, from a, uh, played a wrong, wrong. ball. So, <laughs> you know... Forget that it's a serious breach from the penalty area. There's your four. There's four strokes already. Four penalty strokes. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a wrong place and a wrong ball. And the stroke and distance penalty. Right. Because you because uh, your ball hasn't been found. Well, they have to proceed under a rule, and the only way to proceed under a rule is the stroke and distance penalty. Mm. Uh, so there's five plus the shirt shot off the tee. Um, yeah. It was supposed to go back and play from the tee again. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, it's almost, if it's a, it's a Stableford round, so it's just a wipe. Right. Uh, but it is, but it, it is, uh, it's a wipe, but it's also, um, could you cheat anymore? How about, <laughs> how about have one month off? Or um, we'll give you a one month disciplinary suspension uh, suspended sentence on good behaviour or something like that. That's horrible. They're, 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 they're just... to do the RNA level one course. 
Yeah, how about you, how about you do that? How about you learn how to not cheat? Uh, 17.1C says that um, if you haven't found your ball but it's in a penalty area but you have knowledge or virtually virtual certainty, which this person didn't, um, and you put a ball into play, even if the original is found before three minutes, it doesn't matter because you put that other ball into play. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly right. Yeah, um, which actually took me a while to understand that rule. Um, I thought that oh, I don't want to confuse people, but I thought, uh, yeah, if you found it within three minutes, you've clearly proceeded under a rule which didn't apply. But the rule book doesn't say that. You put no. that ball into play, you're stuck. You can. It goes. It goes back to ball and play. So let's uh, look at this slightly differently. Say that they did have knowledge of virtual certainty. And they worked out their estimated point um, where it last crossed. They dropped within two club lengths. That's just, you know, adjacent. Let's say that it was for lateral relief. So they've now played three, right? They've then abandoned that ball, picked it up. So that's four. <laughs> played the wrong ball, which is six. And then they actually have to put back their penalty area ball uh, to play their seventh, which they didn't. So, and of course, they've hold out with the wrong ball, which you cannot do. Stable fit didn't get away with that, as you say. But... Yes, yeah, stable fit. It's just going to be a white, but there is nowhere to get, you know, yeah, that's just a shocker. You know, where, what are the other people in the group doing here? Hmm. Yeah, anyway. Uh, right. Have you got anything else, Stuart? That's all good. That is a good Thank that is you a good so one. much for uh, everyone. Actually, I, did I have one more? I might have one more. Uh, oh, here we go. Oh, something similar. Player is playing the seventh hole, Stalford. Can't find his ball, so wipes the hole. Tees off on the eighth, and while walking off the tee, finds the ball he lost on the seventh. His playing partner then encourages him to play out the previous hole as he is playing or as he is having a good round. The player knew the lost ball rule but decided to play out the seventh anyway. I mean, I don't even... So he found that ball. So you've the hole seven's finished, wipe. You've started hole eight. You've hit a ball off the tee on eight, and then you've played another ball to a different green. This is not where you would, I mean, would you consider this practice? No, because they have an intention, intent there. Yeah. intention to play, make a stroke, and to score a score on a hole. So Which if we just. Done. So the T, okay, so let's say, let's say the T is here and you've hit your ball 250 metres. The green is, you're just walking off the T and the green is to the left. I, I don't know the course. I'm just having, uh, working it out for the viewers and listeners. Uh, you've got a green. So the seventh green is 30 metres to the left of the eighth tee. So you walk off the eighth tee to go and get your ball. It's 250 metres. And you see a ball beside the green, and it's yours. You now play that ball onto that green. 
That's a wrong ball. Yeah, it's a wrong ball. Yeah, yeah. So you've hit the wrong ball onto the wrong green, you've putted out. Those are all, we're not going to penalise you for a wrong putting green because they're all wrong ball shots. Yeah. So you just get the two One shot penalty. Yeah, you just get the two shot penalty. Then you go and continue the eighth hole and you have to add the two shot penalty to your eighth hole. Is that what you think? Yeah, now how about the three minutes as well? Clearly that person has looked, started the search for that ball off the seventh tee. Surely they've begun to search for that ball. I couldn't imagine a situation where they didn't begin a search. If he's gone, oh, I can't find it, you guys putt out, you can't tell me the three minutes hasn't gone. You can't tell me we're close to five to eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. By the well, time no, they walk to the eighth tee, you know. It's definitely, it's definitely the three minutes is definitely up. Well and truly gone. Um, but so the, the whole idea, the... the whole notion of, oh, wow, look at this. It's been 12 minutes since I hit this shot. My tee ball. It's here it still is. in play. Eight. Yeah, guys, just give me a sec. I know you, you go down the eighth, I'll catch up. I'll just finish off. What about the group behind? But even if there wasn't a group behind, it's just silly. I think it's just almost farcical to think that, oh, actually, I'll put a pause on playing the eighth hole because I just need to finish the seventh. Oh, I find that laughable. Here's a myth. Uh, that I didn't add to the myths last week. Uh, you can start play of another hole whilst playing a hole. I know some people that have done that. They, the, hot, the tees were right beside each other. It was the 16th hole and the 17th hole. <laughs> So you play 15 down here, you walk to 16 and you hit a tee shot, you walk to 17 and you hit a tee shot, and then you go and putt out or play your sand iron or whatever. And then you walk off that green to your tee shot on 17. And they believe that that was- That might be equally as laughable. They believe that that was real, that that was a, a thing that you could do. That was a, that's a myth. Myth number one. Time-saving exercise. Mm. Uh, did you want to go through the rest of the myths today or we'll leave it for next week? No, I think uh, there's good content there for another podcast with uh, all those myths that you and I quickly whip together. Oh, uh, I'll, should, start, we... I'll start with myth number one, so we'll, <clears throat> we'll get cracking with myth number two and three and four. And, and we should put a call out to others. They should get in contact with you with their own myths. Well, feel free. A lot longer than you and I have. Feel free to put the myths your myths in the Clubland stories. And, uh, and we'll just, just, just stay at Clubland story, just put myth. Um, this is a myth that I didn't, I didn't know was true or that someone else told me and I was like, no, that's not right. Um, or even if you have a question about one that is, you know, you're like, oh, are we allowed to do this? Like just that one there, it's a perfect example that you, you can't start another hole whilst you're playing a different hole. It is not allowed. Uh, right, well, we'll get that up and, and then we'll get the uh, the podcast on this. Now, uh, GRQOTW for 81. Do you mind having a go this week? Oh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> okay, this is a multiple choice. Oh. In which of the following 
is the player not required, not required to drop their ball or another ball again. When the player drops a ball in the right way in the relief area, such that it lands in the general area and then rolls, and these are the options. So when do they, are they not required to drop again? Uh, so we've started by, they've dropped it in the right way in the relief area, in the general area, and then it rolls and comes to rest on a putting green when relief was properly taken under rule 17.1 for a ball last crossing the edge of a red penalty area near the green. That's option A. Option B, into, so then rolls into and comes to rest in a portion of the relief area that is in a bunker. Option C, then rolls to and comes to rest in a position where there is interference for the player's stance by the cart path from which relief was initially taken under rule 16.1b. And option D, then rolls when taking relief under rule 16.3b, embedded ball, the player's ball rolls into a position where their stance is on the location where the ball was embedded. Oh, they are really good. So it was dropped into a relief area that was in the general area. And then A was it rolled onto a putting green when taking relief from the penalty area. B was rolled into a bunker that was, uh, but was still within the relief area. C was it rolled into an area where you had interference from the cart path from which the relief was initially taken. And D was it rolled into an area, still in a relief area, uh, but you, the player is now standing on the pitch mark of the embedded ball. So which one uh, do you not, or are you not required to drop your ball again? That is GRQ OTW 81. You'll see that it's uh, gone up a level this week. Um, no, I was kidding. Actually, 80 was too hard for me. So 81 is probably a little bit easier. Uh, any any final last words, Stuart, for 81? Uh, no, all good. Uh, well, have a great week, and uh, we'll catch everyone again. Next week, I'm actually off to Thailand for the International Series Thailand at Black Mountain. Uh, so we may give the podcast a miss for a week, uh, and we'll see you again in two weeks. Hopefully by then, we'll have 10 to 1,500 myths. Uh, but... Make sure you uh, keep reading the pod, uh, the drop zone. Drop zone is uh, you've been doing some great work of late, Stuart. So keep that up. Thank uh, you. If anyone has a rules tip that they'd like to send in, uh, you're more than welcome to. Just add it to the Clubland Stories form on Google Forms. Uh, we'll collect it all in there. Uh, that would be fantastic. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening in and watching, and uh, and thank you to you, Stuart.